welcome to a Law Firm Marketing Club podcast. The Law Firm Marketing Club helps professional services firms to do better marketing. Podcasts follow this theme with a mix of long and short podcasts from experts, each either educating and informing, explaining, inspiring, or simply telling us about how they do things, all with the practical goal of helping you to do better marketing. My name is Claire Fanner, and I am your host today. I'm a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing and have established myself as one of the leading legal sector marketing consultants in the UK. I was previously the marketing director for two mid-sized regional law firms. I'm delighted to bring you our latest podcast. Be inspired, learn and get the know-how. Well, I'm delighted to welcome the latest of our guests today, and I've got the wonderful Lewis Barr from Threaten Solicitors along the South Coast. And Lewis, you have the intriguing, dare I say it, title of Marketing and Commercial Director. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Claire. Marketing Commercial Director for Threaten's a role I've been in for about four years. Yeah. I'm going to explore that a little bit more because I think that actually alludes to some of the topics we were going to talk about. Um, In fact, there's so much I want to cover with this conversation that we're actually going to split it across two episodes. So do keep an eye open for part two. We're going to talk about the space around getting partner buy-in. We're going to be talking digital and also specifically about how marketing permeates other bits of the business. And I know, Lewis, you've got a very interesting role and you're relatively new to the legal market compared to some other people. And perhaps that will give us a different perspective from you when we chat about your role and how you see it all panning out. But I've not introduced you properly. Do you want to just kind of introduce yourself, your title and tell us a little bit about your firm and your role? Uh, Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. My name's Lewis Barr. I've been at Fretton's for around four years. Job title, which we'll explain a little bit about what it involves, is Marketing and Commercial Director. Fretton's themselves, we're a, a full-service law firm based down on the south coast. We've got offices in Christchurch and in Ringwood. Generally serve the whole of the Bournemouth Christchurch pool conurbation, but we have an increasing number of clients who come from across the UK um, a lot of that's down to the, the move to digital that we've gone through over the last four years. And I know you're keen to talk about that as well. A bit of background as to how we're made up. We're about a 60-40 split between individual and commercial services. So relatively well balanced for a firm of our size. And talking about size, uh, we've got 92 team members at the latest count um, and growing. Um, we're a relatively young firm demographically and the fact that we're just over 40 years old as a law firm anyway lots of flexible working and around 75 percent women generally and that sort of permeates through all levels of the business as well recent history i suppose i can talk about the last four years that i've been here we've grown quite significantly in that period kind of doubled our turnover and our headcount in that time we basically hope to be sort of the, the leading alternative to the big regional firms in the area so there's a couple of large regional firms that dominate the conurbation. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will know who they are. And we kind of want to be the best alternative place to work or for clients to those large regional firms that are the leaders in the market. My role is, is marketing and commercial director. I wear a lot of hats, basically get to be pretty nosy. I suppose my principal role and the role I came in for was to look after the marketing team. We've got a team of four of us now. So I've seen all the marketing and BD for the firm. 
Um, and then I work with the partners and the management team on developing and delivering our sort of business growth strategy. So I suppose to summarise, really, if it has a commercial impact on the firm, I get to stick my nose in. It makes a really interesting role. And as you mentioned, I'm relatively new to the, to the legal world. Um, so it's been quite a steep learning curve. Lots of working collaboratively. And as well, obviously, you have to like and get on well with and be able to work well with your colleagues and have the right sort of environment for that. And they're two things that Threatens have, have kind of got right. There's lots of really good and nice people here. So it makes my job fairly easy. You're giving me so much material there. I don't know where to start with my next question because there's lots of great things. I love that reference to being nosy. And actually, you've just summarised something I've never really thought about because I've always been quite nosy. And maybe that's just a natural part of a of us marketers. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it's something that I've kind of um, that I've kind of worked out about myself, I guess, over the last few years. You know, you, you sort of start reflecting on these things as you move through your career, don't you? And I realise sort of that's having a bit of independence and autonomy and be able to have an impact on things and make a difference is is clearly really, really important to me. Also, I'm, I'm naturally quite curious about stuff with not a huge attention span. So maybe we'd be able to poke around in a lot of things and have a lot of plates spinning works, works really well for me. That naturally curious phrase is the one I'm going to use. It sounds a little bit more sophisticated, perhaps, than the the, the, the nosy the, the, type. The being nosy, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, I think we both know where we're going with that. And I think, I suspect if we asked many of the marketers out there, they'd probably say, yeah, I'm naturally inquisitive, curious, nosy, whatever word you want to put on it. And actually, if we think about it, we need to be for, for if we're going to do our job properly. Absolutely. I'm going to jump straight in, if I may, around this commercial impact bit. I think you said something along the lines of, and excuse me if I don't quite quote you correctly, if it has a commercial impact, then you get to stick your nose in or something along those lines. And for me, that's a really, really crucial part of the conversation I wanted to have with you, because I think traditionally in law firms, marketers didn't necessarily get to sit at the top table, didn't necessarily get involved in some of the conversations around the broader issues facing a law firm. And so I find it really exciting and refreshing, if you like, to hear that actually you're absolutely part of that. So I'd love to understand that commercial role a bit more. You know, how does that work? You've talked about you work closely with the marketing team, you work closely with the partners. But, you know, what are the elements of the commercial role that you're most involved in? I think that's, that's a pretty fair assessment that marketers haven't necessarily got being able to sit at the at the top table, so to speak, or have an influence at board level. I don't think that's necessarily an issue that's that's confined to the legal world. Yeah, that's um, nice. I know, but I know it. But it certainly is. I know certainly in other firms that I've heard about, uh, it, it can be quite inaccessible at the top table. Let's say it's it's something that's shared elsewhere. I, th- I think it's a. I know that looking through sort of chart institute marketing stuff and things that we talk about quite often there, they talk about sales led organizations or financially or operationally led organizations historically. And CEOs or MDs have always had a financial background or a sales background or a technical background. And that shapes the organization. But very, very rarely, it's a, it's historically at least, it's been a marketer who's, who's ended up becoming a CEO, MD, the leader of the organization or having influence in an organization. And I find that ends up being really, really important because marketers are naturally nosy curious you know however we want to put it I've, I've heard the analogy used before that they're sort of it's your job as a marketer within a leadership of an organization at least to be a giraffe the sort of person who sort of is sticking your head out 
above the parapet, looking over towards the horizon, horizon scanning, you might want to say it, so I've had that reference as well. Other analogies about being able to paddle over out of the white water to the sort of side of the river and be able to see what's coming up. Everyone's too busy doing their job to do their job. Yeah. And generally I find that the role of a marketer is to, you know, they've got touch points with obviously people who are delivering the service, with the clients, with sort of market research, understanding what's happening in the market, just being able to look further ahead. And that kind of, so the marketing and commercial really is just an extension of if you are into marketing and if you, if you particularly enjoy it and if you do your job well, then it should permeate all other areas of the business. So it's a, it, it fe- feels to me like almost like a logical extension of that. And that's kind of reflective of the journey I had at Fretons. Anyway, I came in as a marketing manager four years ago and within a year was working really closely with, with Matt, our managing partner, in developing the, the business growth strategy. And, you know, you can't put a plan together for a business growth strategy or a development strategy or any sort of, of longer term plan for the business without having a good grasp of what the market looks like and where the opportunities are. Yeah. And the best people are the best place to give you that information are marketers. May not necessarily always be the best people to implement those plans. Yeah. And that's certainly the case where we are. But being able to identify opportunities or potential threats, that's the start point for you know, for, for your business strategy, isn't it? Yeah. So that's kind of where the marketing, in a very, very roundabout way, sorry, is the way that is, is how the marketing and commercial director role works or how it, you know, how it fits into the organisation. It's that early part of the strategic development. Yeah, it, that, that makes absolute perfect sense, Lewis, to me, thinking about what a, a, a marketer gets involved in and indeed their skill set. And, and, you know, we're well beyond the days, I think, I hope, where marketers get referred to as the colouring in department. You know, yes, it's a lovely little joke that we all reference from time to time. But I think if nothing else, the last couple of years of uncertainty have shown us the importance of having that market outlook, the importance of having those insights into client behaviours, what's affecting them, what's changing, how they're making choices, understanding the wider sector we're in, looking beyond the sector we're in, looking at market factors and so on. And, you know, a worldwide pandemic Brexit, a supply chain issue, a war, all of those have impacted us in our firms right across the UK. And if we just kept doing what we always did, we'd be struggling. So being able to understand that, interpret that, bring that to the top table. For me, what what is really exciting is that we've now got more and more people like you in law firms that have this role where they're understanding that the marketing and commercial piece are joined up. And it's not just a conversation of the finance director together with the partners. It's a conversation of the finance director, the people director, whatever titles they have, the commercial, the marketing, sitting around and jointly having those conversations in law firms. And you're, you made another point. It's not just law firms, but of course, we're we're, we're talking about law firms. Mm. So, I mean, many hats and you've alluded to it. To what extent do you get involved in things like recruitment, the client service that's being delivered, the strategic, you talked a little bit about strategic planning, but forecasting, you know, how does that all come together? Internal communications, engaging staff, things like that. So to start out, I think forecasting of the, of those of those points would be uh, the most obvious start point. So we said marketers are the ones who've got their heads up, who scan the horizon, that's the thing. And you alluded to the conversations that always have between the FD and the partners or the, you know, the head of accounts. They can tell you what we've just done. What we've tried to work really hard on is being able to understand what's going to happen in six months' time and being able to measure. So measurability has been a big thing. And we've kind of yeah. 
that's something that we've rolled out across the business over the last four years, not just measuring what we've done, but measuring what's coming down the line. So we've got much better pipeline visibility, which allows you to act with greater confidence. And that's something we saw as a, as a strategic advantage, certainly throughout the pandemic and in any turbulent times. So we, we now don't get to the end of a month and the head of accounts will say, this is what we did last month. And we give ourselves a pat on the back and say, wasn't that brilliant? We built more than we did the month before. Our, our sort of dashboard that we've put together highlights the sort of the four key areas really of the business. And we focus more in our monthly partners meeting on what is coming up than what has gone. So we're much more forward thinking. So I'd say that that's a switch in mindset that was quite important. And we're able to do that by measuring website traffic, inquiry volumes, instruction levels. We're doing a piece at the moment working on better forecasting when the fees that we've got in the pipeline are going to come in as well. So you have to work closely with accounts um, on those sort of things. And, and to be honest, to get good data coming in with absolutely everybody. Because if you put crap in, you get crap out, basically, don't you? So yep. that's very, very important. And that's just a, another example of where you say we've got a good idea implementing it you've you've got to be able to communicate with absolutely everybody and that's generally via other department heads or or working collaboratively with with team leaders so the forecasting bit really really important i mean it's the it's the initial part of the SOSTAC plan isn't it so marketing will get involved in your situation analysis and set your objective the implementation of that is a, is a slightly different story so we can say there's a marketing opportunity here for us to grab more market share and to grow more on the back of our strengths in the digital marketing let's say as an example however there's no point in bringing in loads of work through the front door if you don't have the ability to service it and that was a position we were probably in two years ago so we got quite heavily involved with the recruitment side. So as a marketing team, I'm working closely with with managing partner and especially as we always do, really closely with our head of ops. We looked at how we could better communicate our offer. So that that as a as an example, an example of a marketer getting involved in other areas of the business, that turned into sort of looking after our employee engagement surveys that we do regularly, identifying what we needed to improve as part of the offer, what we need to work on how we communicated that stuff internally, taking part in, we do annual interviews with everyone who's joined that year to get some more qualitative feedback about what we can work on and improve. That fed into that big sort of digital campaign about communicating what it's like to work here and what people like about it. But we couldn't do that until we understood what it was. As it happened, it wasn't that we have a great marketing team. It was more that our IT is brilliant and it's always the small things that people tend to highlight. So that's one example of getting involved in another part of the business, the recruitment bit was a real stumbling block for us for a period of time. Not so much in the last year. I think we've had 31 new starters this calendar year. Wow. We've had a... We've had a, an a it's got 92 people, I think you referenced it. Yeah, so I think we've, we've added 20 net this calendar year. Okay. Uh, so, we, yeah, the, the retention... I say retention issue. There's always staff turnover, but we think our, our retention is generally pretty good. Yeah. So a lot of new faces and one of the big challenges, and this will touch on another point you just mentioned there, that we'll, is trying to retain our, our sort of culture yeah. and protect our culture with a lot of new people here. So you know, almost a third of the, of the business have, have joined in the last year. You've got to have a very strong self-sustaining culture if that's going to, if that's going to prevail with a lot of new people coming in and you're going to see huge unwanted changes. Yeah. So there's a lot around internal comms that we have to work on with that as well. So that comes in recruitment, retention, as you mentioned, as well, the sort of key areas that we get involved in. Forecasting and financials is obviously a big one. And then client service. 
So yes, we do get involved with that. We, uh, I sort of always go back and use the example. I sat in our first part, the first partners meeting that I sat in, and one of the strategic aims is to be number one for client service, but we didn't have any way quantitatively at least of, of measuring that. So there was always a client satisfaction survey. The results were always looked at, but the way it was set up, it, it was, it was probably a little bit more complicated than it needed to be. So we simplified it, got more responses, went to an NPS model and could compare whether we were getting better or worse. Yeah. And then that migrated into, we now use a third party to manage all of those things to sort of increase trust and things like that. So that was an, yeah. a, a simple thing, which just comes down to if, if we're going, if we believe we're going to do something, let's measure it and make sure that we are doing better than we, and then we can either identify areas to improve or give ourselves a pat on the back and say, right, let's move on to the next thing. So, yeah, that all makes perfect sense, Lewis. And you've just given a perfect kind of tour, if you like, around so many different elements of a law firm and, and why it's important to have marketing people involved in them. And, and I think it all comes back to the point you made relatively early on about there's no point bringing work in the front door if you can't service it. And that immediately shows the importance of you being joined up with every part of the business because you know you want you want to bring work in in the areas that need it. You want to bring the right sort of work, the right sort of clients. You want to check that actually if you're working really hard over here saying we're great at this and we'll look after you, that they will be looked after when it comes through because there's nothing worse than getting a bad reputation for not for not delivering. So that service aspect making sure staff are on side, that employee engagement and that internal comms piece. And I love that whole digital campaign that you did once you actually got the feedback and could see what people were saying to say, here, this is what it's like working here, which then became an important part of that recruitment and retention piece, which, of course, you know, is part of marketing's role as well. So I think the example you've given, I've done a very brief not thorough summary there of kind of what I heard if you like you say you did a better job than me of summarizing it <laughs> less well, time, so. between the two of us hopefully we've got a bit of a message across <laughs> Lewis yeah you've, yeah you've got the edited version there for sure much more I've succinct. got the edited version <laughs> and you know you made reference to retention and and you know you've got a net increase of 20 odd people which is fabulous and retention retention is an interesting one actually I had a really great conversation with a managing partner from an accountancy firm funnily enough a short while ago who says we don't want everybody to stay at our firm we do want to have some churn because the right churn is healthy for everybody for for people who have aspirations beyond what a firm can offer them then absolutely you want them to move on to to whatever it is that that will float their boat because it could be something very different and sometimes people won't be right for a firm but also you need that injection of new blood new ideas new energy etc i mean that's my very poor summary of the conversation i had with her but you know actually retentions is as healthy as recruitment i completely agree so all of the stuff that we've done over the last five years or so came from some conversations the partners had five years ago where they said look we're we're plateauing we're profitable we are a good business um but we aren't growing and you could pretty much sit down at the start of a financial year and say, this is what we're going to do at the end of it. And it would happen and everyone would make some money and everyone would be moderately happy. But what they did find is that they were losing some good people because they're hitting a ceiling. So all of this is born out of the idea that we need to grow in order to retain the good people we're getting and allow them a career route and a a progression pathway that will take them to, to where they want to go. And part of the the strategy that we roll out to, to everyone in our sort of, 
bi-monthly strategy updates. You say, just tell us where you want to go and we'll help you get there. Yeah. In order to do that, we've got to grow. Of course we have. And that means that there will be challenges further down the line about answering questions on how big do you get and then what do you do after that? And they're all things that we're going to be talking about and answering. But for the time being, we want, we want to basically make sure that we look after the people that we've got and we get more work in and grow the business in order for them to progress in the right way and stay. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that, these are probably challenges that, that ring true with a lot of people who who listen to this and who you speak to, certainly. But the recruitment market is tough at the experienced end. So you've got to be looking slightly more long-term and look at bringing people in sort of as graduates and then investing in them and training and, and growing the business that way. And yeah. we've kind of grown that way. So it allows those people who are already in the business and are brilliant at their jobs and we get on well with and we really like and we think they're threatens people. It allows them to progress over that time as well. That's kind of how we followed that the retention bit is, was, has been really important in that. The whole business growth strategy was born out of the idea we don't want to lose good people because they are so hard to get hold of. No, and I think that's important to recognise and and but to have an approach that says we're going to you know give everyone the best possible life they can have here and get the yeah. best out of them and give them the best we can give them. And as you say, they might for some people become a natural time where it's time to move on. For others, it, it, it you know they might be forever. It's, that, it's the Richard that, Branson thing. I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say it's the Richard Branson thing, isn't it? Look after your people, and they'll look after your clients. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how where we've got to, I think. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it from from how you've described it and and for the purposes of this conversation and the context of the audience for me what's really great to hear is the importance that it's being placed on by you in your role and it's not just just being left to the HR or people people or, or just being left to the partners it's it's a firm-wide challenge and you're an integral part of that which which I, that's what really excites me is how much we are moving on as a sector and involving our marketing people. Thank you so much for now, Lewis. That's going to be the end of part one of this conversation. So thank you for that. Some fascinating and interesting stuff in that. In part two, uh, amongst other things, we're going to look specifically at the role of digital and also how to blend it with traditional marketing. So please do look out for that and uh, hope you enjoy that one as much as this. Thank you for listening to the latest Law Firm Marketing Club podcast dedicated to helping professional services firms do better marketing. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share your learnings, comments and thoughts on LinkedIn, tagging the Law Firm Marketing Club and Claire Fanner.